Did you know there's more Jeep Talk Show that you're missing? To get it, just load the Jeep Talk Show app on your smartphone or tablet. Podcasting since 2010. Warning, out of an abundance of caution, the Jeep Talk Show's commitment to the health and safety of our fellow Jeepers is forcing us to furlough the show behind a plexiglass shield dipped in Purell until this pandemic is over. Watch our Facebook page for further developments. That's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure you're connected with us on social media so you don't miss out on any special announcements or events. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Don't forget to go to JeepTalkShow.com to see the latest events from around the nation and in your hometown. That is when they allow us Jeepers to have gatherings like that again. <laughs> hey Jeeper, Mitch here. Today is the 3rd of April, 2020. It's time for your weekend going topless Jeep weather report. Finally, there's warmer temperatures out there, plus with social distancing being the new culturally acceptable norm, then taking that top off and getting on those back roads is even more important than before. First place to check out Topless is Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Get some takeout food and explore its 60 miles of beaches. Topless weather starting today at 70, tomorrow 68, and Sunday some clouds at 66 degrees. Next, take your tops and doors off in Phoenix, Arizona. Beautifully sunny this weekend with great hiking trails in the area. Take it all off this weekend as the whole weekend should be 85 degrees. Or... We can get away from everyone in Gilmer, Texas, which is nearby to the Barnwell Mountain OHV trails. Make sure you go all Sahara top on your Jeep and have good Mediterranean tires on since it'll be raining here all weekend. Today 66, tomorrow 62, and Sunday back up to a warm 73 degrees. Don't forget to use the hashtag Jeep Talk Show on social media for us to see those pictures. If you have any suggestions or want to know your local weather in an upcoming episode, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and order find all the ways to get a message to me. I'm Mitch. It's always a great weekend to go topless if you're brave enough. Just go topless responsibly. Ah, uh, Barnwell. That's where I went, and it was really wet. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't know that I would go. I think this is a perfect day to take the top off. Oh, what the heck is this? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Maybe you should have checked the Jeep weather with Mitch. Hey, join in on the campfireside chat. We'd sure love to have you. Pull up a chair, crack an adult beverage, and go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. Oh. Well, it's all about practical jokes this time <laughs> of year. And, you know, if you've been uh, around other Jeepers for any length of time, chances are you've gotten to know them and their personalities pretty darn good. And and for those who have uh, been fans of the show for a lengthy period of time, you know that I'm a joker myself. And I figured, uh, well, because of the date this time of year and, and all that sort of stuff, we talk about the kinds of practical jokes that you've played or have seen played on other Jeepers. And and honestly, it's, it's I, I would really love to hear your stories about vehicle-related practical jokes. You know, the banana in the tailpipe, the, the, the blue uh, food, food coloring in the washer fluid, you know, that sort of stuff. <laughs> I, I want to hear those kinds of stories. Now, I've done a few of them myself. I've done some interesting ones that have involved some electrical modifications that really Ooh. piss some people off. But, <laughs> oh, that's uh, not good. That's evil. And, uh, but that, it is kind of evil. But, you know, when you have the skills, the means, and the tools to do it, and your friend is, uh, is you know, easy, uh, an easy target, you got to do what you got to do. So, uh, uh, Tony, have you ever played any practical jokes on anybody uh, with their Jeep or otherwise? Uh, no. 
well, you're no fun. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't think of anything right offhand, to be honest with you. Uh, it, uh, you know, I just remember, I think what started this was last week when I mentioned the, the thing I saw on Facebook about the harmonica tied in behind the, uh, the radiator where the, you know, when you're driving down the road, the air would, uh, would rush through oh, the harmonica geez. and make mm-hmm. noise tie wrap to one of the, uh, the heater hoses or something. It was, it was pretty <laughs> funny. I can imagine that That's would be very one. funny. Yeah. And what about, what about you, Wendy? Have you done anything to where you kind of messed with the hubby or uh, anything like that? You, you, you know, played a practical joke or, or, or one thing, messed with the Jeep or, or maybe, you know, the shaving cream on, in the hand while he sleeps and you tickle his face with a feather. That's always a good now, one. <laughs> this one was kind of funny. It's uh, something that was kind of done to us. The, the car was completely filled with balloons full of hot air, right? Balloons. And so many that you couldn't get in the vehicle. So as a prank to get them back, we deflated all the balloons, took all of the pieces, and then when we the opportunity was right, we stuffed them in every single orifice you could find inside their vehicle. I think they're still pulling out balloon parts. I mean, this has been years ago, but it was a great way to get back at somebody who thought they were being fun and pulling a prank on us. So, <laughs> You know, that reminds me of when I, I got my Honda back, uh, the, my old Honda, the one that had gotten stolen five different times. And one of the <sighs> times that I got it back, he's, he's it serious. was literally, I'm serious, I'm not joking. Uh, I owned a 1997 Honda Accord, top of the list of America's most stol- stolen vehicles. And yes, mine, I think, was definitely adding to the statistics. But uh, but no, I got mine back uh, from being stolen one time. And I'm not joking. Literally every single cubby, orifice, pocket, you mm-hmm. name it, was stuffed with some kind of a debris or another, whether it was garbage <laughs> or... Not- oh, wow. No, the, the, oh, glove box, the glove box was almost jam-packed full of pens and pencils and other writing utensils. I have no idea why. It was, but, a, yeah, it no was a running joke. It was a running joke on the show. Oh, uh, for, for years, yeah, because about it was the, like every the, six months my car was getting stolen. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah. And and, and oh. after about the third time is like, uh, how long does it usually come back, Josh? Three days, sometimes a week? Uh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we weren't concerned. We weren't, oh, it was oh coming back. It'll yeah. show up. It'll show That's up. That's horrible. Might not have any tires. Oh, yeah, the tires and wheels will be gone. Yeah, the ones you just bought. Yeah. Seats, you know, the important stuff. Yeah. No, as, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I, I, I love the practical jokes. I'm, I'm, you know, the the banana in the tailpipe might be a little much. You're going to end up, you know, sucking a valve or, oh, you know, do some, do some damage yeah, with that one. But, uh, but you know, there, there, there are others. Uh, you know, I've always been the fan where, you know, the buddy uh, steps out to go to the ATM or something and, and you very quickly jump out of your vehicle and into his and you turn on the heater and you, the turn signal and the radio on full and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And so when he gets in and turns the ignition on, it's just utter and absolute mayhem going on. Windshield wipers <laughs> and the radio. And the oh, no, that's that's always a good time. That's oh, always a good I, time. I haven't, I've never done it, but I love the idea of having some uh, a, a couple of extra long uh, zip ties to put on the drive shaft. So it just oh, slaps the bottom of the vehicle. Bastard. That would be. I mean, it doesn't hurt a thing. And you know, you, the awful. radio, the radio goes down. You, what is that noise? <laughs> is that? And you slow just, down. It goes and up it, with speed. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're evil. You are evil. It's, it's beautiful. So bad. It's perfect. <laughs> hey, so, so we've got a few people sitting around the campfire uh, here with us. You do we want to order uh, introduce them here? Well, I don't know who we have, so you're no, no. Have to I mean, uh, is it okay for us to jump in there? I don't yeah, know if you're. Let's yeah, it. no, by all let's means, let's let's uh, let's hear from uh, from some of our fans if they're out there. We got this new feature. We've just been doing this the last couple few weeks, where we finally implementing some technology to where after all these years of uh, telling you guys to join, <laughs> join in on in. the fun, we're finally giving you an avenue to do so. 
So, uh, yeah, we finally uh, are actually playing like a real radio station here. Right? We're having call live call-ins. This is awesome. All right, Tony, who do we got? All right, uh, Tom, uh, tell us uh, what state you're located in. Yeah, hey, going, everyone. This is Tom from Adelaide, South Australia, actually. Wow, that is a long way to go for a campfire side chat. <laughs> what time is it there? I'm curious. Uh, so it's 10 to 2 in the afternoon. On the 3rd? Yes, of April. Right. Okay, cool. So tomorrow. Cool. Well, uh, Josh, you remember Wayne <clears throat> down in New Zealand, uh, uh, the guy that we, uh, he would watch the show when we were doing it, the, the live feed, and also to uh, a member Wayne. of XJ, yeah, he had a, uh, XJ Talk. He had a, what a teal YJ, didn't he? Well, he had the he had a, the XJ for a while, and then he beat the hell out of that and got a, a, a TJ and beat the hell out of that. But anyway, we checked with him on 2012 to make sure that uh, we were going to uh, still be living, you know, because they're, they're like 19 hours ahead of us. Oh, right. Yeah. So, like, no, you're right. Is, has, has the world ended yet? No. Yes. Okay, now, Wayne's okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, thanks for joining us. Uh, hey, uh, uh, Bill, we know you from last week, and I think the week before. Uh, where are you located? I'm in Big Bear, California. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> Just came back from the trail. Beautiful place. Oh, he's he's trying to double trouble it now. Yeah. All right. So and it looks like we've got uh, Jerry. Jerry, what state are you in? Uh, I'm in Illinois. Well, that's okay. <laughs> We're not going to hold that against Nobody. you. <laughs> oh, crap. It's, no it's dangerous. It's dangerous in Illinois, Josh. <laughs> and no love, huh? <laughs> And it looks like, uh, let's see, who did we just have? We just did, uh, we did, uh, oh, uh, Travis. Travis, uh, tell us where you're located. Travis is North Carolina. Here, doing good. Are you sure it's North Carolina, not South Carolina? Because I could swear it was um, South Carolina. No, never been South Carolina. Go Tar Heels. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us tonight. So, uh, have uh, well, I guess we can start with, uh, with you, Travis, uh, since we got you in here last. Uh, what uh, Have you ever done any practical jokes to a fellow Jeeper? And if so, what? And is the trial still pending? I have not personally done any to Jeepers or anybody in any car. I learned at a young age, my father. So, I've had my Jeep, my IJ. <laughs> I've owned since 92, and in that time, I was in high school, and I started dating a college girl, and Ooh. going to her apartment, staying the night over, different oh things. He's like, no, you got to follow my rules, da, da 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 He came out to my Jeep one night, found out where it was, and just removed my spark plugs, <laughs> and I'm oh trying goodness. to figure out, I, I try to get up to go to school the next morning, and I can't do it, and had no idea. I'm looking. He didn't remove the spark plug. He just raised the wires so they wouldn't ah, connect, wouldn't get fired, okay. wouldn't get sparked. I was going to say, it's like a, having a new starter. Right. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just hitting it, and I'm like, what's going on? And I ended up having to call him for help because I'm like, Dad, I don't know what's going on. We got to get my Jeep running, you know, this and that. And he came back, showed me what he did. And he's like, you've got a curfew, boy. You got to be home at a certain time. You keep spending the night out. And I learned real quick, I'm going to follow the rules of the house, which I eventually did. And now I've learned how to work on my Jeep myself. But back then, I had no idea. I mean, I was a young kid, and he'd try to teach me. I didn't want to learn. Eventually, I slowly but surely learned every trick of the trade. And now, but that, that one, he got me. He got me good. But I've never hurt anybody else. He's told me about sardines on 
different parts of the oh, car and different yeah. things exhaust and i'm like Lord. oh my god but <laughs> never tried it yep 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 that's the, that's the way well, to go. sometimes uh sometimes lessons are best learned the hard way what about mm-hmm. Jerry? Jerry, are you a practical joker? Have you have you ever done any uh, any practical joking or messing around with uh, another Jeepers rig? Uh, no, I haven't, but I have had some good ones done to me. Uh, you cool. know, you were talking earlier about the wire tie on the drive shaft thing, and I had a buddy back in high school. He he took a piece of rope and a pretty large washer and tied that oh, to my drive shaft. Oh, my God. <laughs> good Lord. Oh, talking to him later, he... His intention was to uh, just to throw it out of balance, but what it actually did was hit the bottom of the floorboard. Yes. So I go jumping in the Jeep and put it in gear and take off and, you know, it hit the bottom of the Jeep. And I, I jump out and look underneath. And of course, they, you know, they were watching from a window laughing at me. <laughs> it took me a little while to figure that out. Um, then uh, oh. later in life, I had, um, uh, I used to trail guide at the Jeep Jamboree in French Lake, Indiana. And, ran with a couple guys in blue group and they actually had blue jeeps i did not so um they thought it'd be fun to paint my jeep blue which they did <gasps> oh, oh i no. could i could see about doing this myself with a red color yeah yeah <laughs> oh my well God. they used uh tempera paint and the idea was that it would just hose off and it mostly came yeah off. mostly oh, <laughs> no. yeah that was not, a lot of fun not, not for the poorest stuff. The poorest stuff is going to hold on to that color a little bit, I bet. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. For years, I was finding blue. Like, I'd unfold oh, I something and find blue behind it. Uh, oh. I would uh, I would tell everybody that it was back the time when you were part of the Blue Man group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's this candy out there. You used to be able to order it from the back of mag- magazines and stuff. And, it, you know, this little hard candy. And it looks pretty innocuous and everything. But you get your friends to eat this hard candy. And, and a couple hours later, they're home. And they, and they go to use the bathroom. And they turn the toilet blue. And uh, <laughs> I, I would think that after somebody paints your Jeep blue, that's about the only, only recourse there is. is to, I would is, have paid them back. Yep. Here, buddy, have a piece of candy. Here you have go. Have some candy. <laughs> Oh, it's like no, I, when, I still owe him for that. Like when my wife yeah. cleans the toilet and has that blue stuff in the toilet, and I go in there to pee and it's green. You know, you didn't pay attention. Like, oh, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? That's that's basic colors. It is. Blue, it is. Yeah. Blue, blue and yellow. <laughs> Turns it green. Now, what about Bill? I, I imagine Bill has probably got a whole litany of stories, uh, just <laughs> chocked, ready to go of, of stuff that he's done to mess with people. Bill, what do you got? It starts back in the eighth grade. But, uh, I knew it. <laughs> well, I, I had a dad who was a fireman and firemen are all practical jokers. So I learned from the best. But uh, the one that stands out in my mind wasn't necessarily Jeep, but it was off road. Uh, we all were out in the sand dunes with our quads and years of riding. There was one guy that was always lagging behind because he had a smaller quad. So he went out and bought a 700, the Raptor 700. And he was so proud of it and making a big yeah. deal about it. He was going to keep up with us or pass us. Well, every time we got off at a stop, I would go over and adjust the throttle stop just a little bit. Oh, and he would take another stop, and I'd adjust the throttle stop in a little farther and a little farther and a little farther. And the next thing you know, he's complaining, what is wrong with my brand-new 700? I can't keep up with you guys. It's as weak as my old 400. And everybody knew what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> the problem isn't the machine, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it might be user error there, pal. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. We were all peeing our pants laughing, and I've never seen anybody so upset in my life. <laughs> he did not find the humor in He's that. He's making payments. <laughs> he can't keep up. <laughs> That's right. Oh, gosh. That's great. 
Many thousands of dollars, just still, still to be the last guy in the pack. So when he found out, out right. so when he found out, what happened? Uh, he did. He got really upset, and I went over there and adjusted it back and said, "You know, get over yourself." And we just <laughs> we just rode on, and we rode like there was, you know, like we stole it, and he still couldn't keep up. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, well, there's the reason. That's the reason. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't keep up. Because you, yeah, I'll be fine now. Oh crap! I'm oh, just man, going home. He was, he was butt hurt till you know the third margarita that night. Oh, that just makes it better. <laughs> it, it does. Good times. Good times. I want to hear from Tom. Tom, what do you got? You got a story where you were messing with somebody or or their rig or or maybe somebody was playing a practical joke on you. What do you got? Uh, it's pretty common to fall asleep in your swag in one spot. And then wake up later on having been dragged to another part of the camp spot. Uh, I guess you all know what a swag is. Um, like a tra- uh, traditional canvas sleeping kind of like tube, I suppose, that you, you'd put a – yeah, I'm not sure what, what it translates to up there. Uh, but, yeah, that's pretty common. And um, apart from that, Personally, it's just been like kind of goody two-shoes, trying to stop people in their tracks a little bit by knocking it into uh, like the transfer case into neutral or, um, you know, <laughs> if you're with someone that's uh, still running uh, self-locking hubs, uh, like another vehicle. Oh, yeah. Undo the hubs on the Toyota on the beach. That um, quietens <laughs> them down a bit. Uh, there was one more I thought of. Oh, you, uh, you know, at lunchtime, you'll try and chock everyone's wheels. Um, that takes them a while to get going as well. <laughs> that's great. No, that's a, that's I love the dragon one. thing. That reminds, reminds me of the bed that the they actually put on a float, and then you wake up in the middle of a pond somewhere. I mean, you only see that in movies because I think everybody else would wake up. But uh, yeah, swag I think the, bag drag. It's called. Yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah, so, now the first the first guy to pass out around the campfire, if he if he toddles off to his tent, that those tent stakes are coming up, and that tent's getting dragged a good hundred yards off into the woods, <laughs> without a doubt. Winch it up a tree. Now, that's good times, Tom. That's God. I'm gonna go down to Australia, crack a beer with Tom. This sounds like a good time right I, there. That sounds like fun. I I just had a feeling Australia was gonna be trouble. <laughs> uh, you're all quite welcome. You can come whenever you like. Um, we've got the you know the virus problem at the moment too, but. Not as bad as everywhere else because we're an island. So hopefully, when this clears up, dollar is really good for you guys. So it's kind of cheap for you to come over at the moment. Oh, wonderful place! Wonderful place. Uh, lots Always of great, great people down there. And uh, actually, we're pretty big in Australia, uh, Josh and Wendy. I, I, I did not know that, but uh, found out from a, a couple of Australians down there. And uh, I didn't realize. Uh, well, when Wayne, I was talking about Wayne earlier uh, in uh, New Zealand. I didn't realize that Jeeps were so big in New Zealand and Australia. Fancy That's vehicles, awesome. yeah, they're fancy vehicles. They're like Land Rovers over here because you know it's a you have to be upper, uh, actually have some some money to have a Land Rover here. Uh, but uh, and, uh, that's kind of what I was told uh, in Australia and uh, uh, and uh, New Zealand. Tom, what kind of uh, do you have a Jeep, and if so, what kind? Yeah, I've had a um, 2009 four door Rubicon since new, actually. Um, before that, I had a oh, and it's a red one. I had oh, a oh uh, boy, <laughs> new best friend I had here. A TJ before that. <laughs> oh, that's great! That's great. So part of the Adelaide uh, Jeep Club, small club, um, and you're right; it is a little bit of a niche 
brand over here. Um, but definitely enthusiasts and every state here has um, bigger clubs than us and we have a big get-together jamboree every uh, two years, I think. Um, well, what, what's, and, the name, yeah, uh, we, what's the name of the club there, Tom? Is it uh, Swag Drag? <laughs> <laughs> a bit hard to get uh, new members if you advertise <laughs> some of that stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Nobody would be sleeping. <laughs> uh, it's the Adelaide Jeep Club. Okay, I think you said that earlier. I, did, I missed it. Okay, good. Adelaide Tube Club. That's great. Well, that certainly is a lot of fun. I am really glad we brought, it that, brought that subject up. Uh, although I, I'm wondering how many, uh, how many evil things are going to be done to people after listening to this episode, Josh. Oh, I know. I, we're some totally really encouraging some bad oh, yeah, behavior. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Wendy, it's all going to be Josh's fault because well, he started it. Yeah, Wendy, are you feeling evil? Uh, no, but I'm definitely going to keep my eyes open because I know what Bill's capable of. <laughs> She's got some, you know, some three foot zip ties in the backpack, just ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Just some extra special things. Just hang on. Hey guys, Cheap Talk Show. I just thought I'd check in from Southeast Idaho out here. Just had our earthquake last night. With all this COVID-19 stuff, I think today people are going to be panicking even more. This is going to be the icing on the cake. It's the COVID! inside the house, <laughs> watching TV, dinner, and the wife was in the other room. The blinds started shaking, the lights, everything started shaking. The dog started freaking out. And then my wife came in the room pretty panicked, and I looked out the front window, and the jeeps were swaying a little bit out in the driveway, but I said, the jeeps are fine, we're good. <laughs> He's got a 2011 JKU, and it was rocking pretty well. Obviously, my old Cherokee is 99 to 2001. They were worn-out suspension, so they rocked pretty well. So, But everything's good out here. Hopefully, you guys aren't panicking as bad as people here in Idaho. So keep it up, guys. White Jeeps rock. Oh my gosh! I mean, yes, the words, Jeeps. <laughs> the, the words. It was a a warm summer night. The jeeps were swaying mildly in the the driveway. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, it was actually a, a pretty substantial earthquake. It was relatively deep and and in the you know middle of the mountains, you know, as it were. But it was a six point five magnitude earthquake in the middle of Idaho that was felt uh, clear uh, in, into uh, eastern Washington uh, yeah. in a near a place that I've been wheeling a couple few times, Natchez. Uh, out there and the uh, great wheeling out there world-class wheeling out there but yeah a pretty big earthquake caused a little bit of damage from what i hear nobody was uh, seriously injured and and i don't think any buildings got shook to the ground or anything but that was a good wake-up call for idaho no potatoes were damaged in this earthquake <laughs> now that you must have this incredible upgrade for your yj wrangler sound system we'll make it easy for you just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 431 you guys probably already know that i have a soft spot for the yj's one of the first Jeeps I ever built was a 1990 YJ with that venerable 4.2 liter 258 cubic inch inline six with what was arguably one of the worst carburetors ever made. That pesky Carter carb did not like to go off road. Really? We're going to put that kind of a carburetor in a Jeep? Yeah, so when I see some new gear I haven't seen before in my for my YJ brethren out there and one that appeals to the audiophile in me, I'm almost giddy with glee and anticipation to share it with you. Just about any YJ or TJ owner out there knows that the sound quality from the front of your Jeep sound system is well, lackluster at best. 
The factory 3x5 oval speakers are just plain and simply garbage. And about the only thing you can do to improve the factory in-dash location is to put what is it called uh, a 3-inch adapter plate to put in a more efficient 3-inch round speaker into that OEM location, which unto itself is almost an entire day's worth of work. But it still leaves a lot to be desired even after amplification, proper application of crossover, and EQ settings. So, most YJ owners find themselves content with something like a soundbar, or with those 6x9 pods that go in the rear. And those are great options, to be honest, but they always seem to leave you with the feeling that you're at a concert, facing the wrong way. Enter the Select Increments Centropod. As its name suggests, it's a centrally mounted pod that sits below the dash and ahead of the shifters and provides you with a mounted enclosure for either a pair of 5.25 inch speakers, or it can be modified to fit 6.5 inch speakers. Speakers themselves are mounted off-axis, meaning they point right towards both the driver and the passenger's head instead of off at their feet or legs. It's specifically designed to work with all model years of the YJ Wrangler and works seamlessly in conjunction with the below-dash-mounted AC vents. Made of durable textured ABS plastic, it mounts securely to the transmission hump using the provided hardware. And yes, it will work with your factory stereo. If you still have one that works in your YJ, that would be really impressive. You'll just need a pair of speakers to put in this thing. The link that we have for you in the show notes for this episode will direct you to the unloaded option for just under $75, but for about double the price, you can get some real nice kicker brand speakers thrown in for a more plug-and-play option. I don't know. I see a screwdriver, a tool, or something going through these speakers where they're mounted. Well, now, the image that we have in the show notes uh, here that I, that I have for, uh, for the rest of our co-hosts and stuff is showing a, a set of speakers that have a very open-style grill design to them. Obviously, um, you can choose a set of speakers that have a more enclosed grill design, a more uh, mesh-style grill design oh, that okay. protect the speakers from something like an errant screwdriver or a pen or a uh, you know CB mic being dropped on them. Another option for those who are running a YJ without a top, a full-time wheeler option, is to throw a set of marine-grade speakers in here so you don't have to worry about degradation of the speakers themselves or the components that make up the speakers. Uh, they can be rained on, get mud on them. It's really not going to matter any bit when you have marine-grade speakers. They're meant to see those kinds of elements and stuff, so it's not going to be a big deal for them. Just an option for you, something to think about, and I uh, hope you guys find that this will work for your YJ and get some sound going. Yeah, YJs are pretty cool. You know, they use leap springs, Josh, instead of coils. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> you must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I enjoyed the tread lightly things you said last week. And uh, I've got a few things to add to it. I'm not sure if it's on the tread lightly program or not. It should be. Uh, it's basic trail etiquette. Uh, so number one is uh, when you exit your vehicle to use the restroom, uh, make sure you have pants on. And uh, <laughs> when you uh, Good safety are, tip. for lack of a better word, urinating... Make sure you're doing it standing uphill. You have to think on that one for a second. And it's really not etiquette to stand on top of your Jeep while urinating and yell, hey, everybody, look at me. Uh, for some reason, people don't like it. I enjoy doing it sometimes, but it's... it's and there's Henry on cue. And it's very important that you do not lick the wildlife. Uh, they don't enjoy it for some reason. <laughs> 
All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. You have a good one. Bye. I don't know. I think standing on top of the little potty joke. I think standing on top of the Jeep going go back and forth would be pretty good. Got the arm motions going and everything. Yes. I'm going to definitely add that to the list of what you don't really want to do. These are all. You want to keep those friends around. These are all things that you can't, that, you know, Wendy, you and your gender can't have fun doing. It just doesn't work out the same way. It's All really the things you could do in a pre-COVID world. Yes. From the mind of Nikki G. To air down or not to air down? That is the question, and why and when would you want to? Airing down the tires is simply letting out the air in your tires. Now, when I first started, the thought of taking air out of perfectly good tires made no sense to me. I thought less air meant a flat was coming soon, and then put me out in the middle of nowhere and nowhere to get help? Yikes. I was convinced it was not a good idea. Well, I quickly learned the importance of airing down, and now I do it every time. There are a few good reasons to air down. One is it gives you a smoother ride. Sometimes on a rocky road, you may want to smooth out the ride to keep the fillings in your teeth from rattling out. Other reasons to air down are to get better traction over obstacles like rocks, mud, sand, or snow. Less air in the tires makes a larger contact patch that's giving you more traction. Also, with less air in the tire, the tread and sidewall become softer, which allows the tire to wrap around the sharp edges of the terrain, giving a much better grip. And since it is softer, both the tread and sidewall become more compliant to these sharper objects and will tend to wrap around rather than allowing that object to poke through the tire. Imagine a balloon filled to capacity and another one with less air in it. The high-pressure balloon will pop easier than the low-pressure balloon. And we, we pretty much air down every time we go out now, regardless of the trail. You don't really need to air down on a fire road or even an e easy trail, but I think you'll find it really helps the suspension and smooths out the ride if you do. Besides, when you come across an obstacle, you're ready to conquer it if you're already aired down. There are a few ways to air down. One of the easiest is a deflator. I like the one that Extreme Terrain offers by Rugged Ridge. It's a set of four, and it's easy to store, and it's easy to use. There are lots of versions on the market with some that are automatic deflators that, uh, that are calibrated to exactly the PSI you want to air down to. Now, deflators range in price, so do a little research before you buy and see what fits your budget. Using these, def sorry, using these deflators makes the job easy, and besides, it beats using your thumb, a nail, or a rock you found on the trail to let the air out, and then having to use that old old-fashioned tire pressure gauge to check each time. Yeah, no thank you. The, the deflators are really cool. They screw on like a valve stem cover, except they depress the valve core and continue to release the air until you unscrew them. You can put all four on at the same time and then rotate back through all four tires to check the air pressure using an air pressure gauge. Once the tire is at the pressure you want, simply unscrew the, the, the deflators and move to the next tire. Now look for a gauge that has a low range like 0 to 60. It'll be more accurate and easier to read the 12 to 14 PSI range than one that has a range of 0 to 250. A question that comes up a lot is what pressure should I air my tires down to? The answer is it depends on your tires, the weight of the Jeep, the type of tire, all-terrain versus mud-terrain, the manufacturer, and of course, what are you trying to do with your Jeep? Basically, there is no easy answer or a one-size-fits-all. Now, you may hear some say they air down to 12 PSI, and others may say they're at 8 or 10. 
A general rule of thumb is to air down until your sidewall begins to bulge. Now, I'm not talking about the bulge you're getting from sitting eating bonbons now. Mm. I'm talking about just a little bit of a bulge. Another rule of thumb is to air down about 75% of the overall height of your normal sidewall. For example, if you have 10 inches of sidewall at regular highway pressure, you can air down to the point where you have about seven and a half inches of overall sidewall. Now, I'm not really good with that kind of math. I like an actual number, so 12 works for me, or an eight, I like those numbers better. Now, for rock crawling and harder surfaces, a higher pressure may be needed to keep the tire bead seated on the wheel rim. If you have bead locks, you can go lower because the tire will stay seated. However, it's not a good idea to have too low a pressure that you roll or pinch the sidewall when you're in a tight spot that puts a lot of weight on a small part of the tire and or sidewall. But if you're jeeping through mud, snow, or ice, a lower PSI may be needed so that you get a larger contact patch and distribute the weight better. In last week's episode, I mentioned you don't want a lot of wheel spin as it can damage the trails and airing down really helps to eliminate major wheel spin by distributing the weight over a larger tire area. Now here's some examples of different tire pressures that we've tried. Our first tires on our Jeep were a BF Goodrich all-terrain that we aired down to about 12 to 13 PSI and we did okay. That particular tire had a stiffer sidewall and harder rubber compound and we noticed sometimes the tires wouldn't grip enough to get over some obstacles. Now years later we have the Nexon Rodian MTX and we only have to air down to 14 PSI. Same tire size as the BF Goodrich, but the necks and sidewall is much softer and the tire compound and design are more tacky and provide a more tread contact patch. So it really depends on your tire and performance. Each tire brand could be different along with the tire size and weight of the vehicle. You almost need to try it and see what works best for you and your tire. I would suggest starting with the higher PSI in the beginning and if you notice slippage or no traction on an obstacle, then perhaps lowering the PSI will help. Trial and error is your best bet. I can tell you that when I'm spotting Jeepers and I notice someone's struggling with wheel spin on an obstacle, I do ask if they're aired down and what they're aired down to. Most of the time, they're not aired down enough. It really does make a difference. Now, when you're done wheeling, it's time to air up before getting back on the highway. Driving at highway speeds with low air pressure is not generally recommended for most tires. It's more difficult to control the vehicle at highway speeds, and with low pressure, the sidewalls bulge and straighten with every revolution of the tire, causing the sidewall to constantly flex, causing a lot of sidewall heat, which could cause a blowout. So airing up is as simple as adding air back into the tire. But how do you do that if you're out on the trail? There are several options and costs to consider when looking for compressors. One brand is Viair. It's reasonably priced and saves you from using your old bicycle pump to put air in <laughs> and your buddies don't have to wait on you. There are a lot of brands, but we started out with the Viair 450C. It's a continuous output, 100% duty cycle. What this means is you can run it until you air it up without shutting it off to cool. Less expensive models are typically about 33% duty cycle, which means you may need to shut them off occasionally as you air up to let them cool which means it's gonna take you longer. The compressors come with necessary gear to attach to a tire and fill it up. You will need that tire gauge we discussed earlier to make sure each tire is set to the correct PSI for your tire and vehicle weight. Once all four tires are filled, you are ready to hit the road. We've used the Viar system for years and my husband Bill set up a hose system for us that connects to all four tires at the same time. So each tire pumps up evenly and we don't have to keep checking the tire every single time. It's been a really great setup. 
Other options for airing up are compressed CO2 gas. We were introduced to power tank, and let me tell you, the difference is night and day. We still use the all four tire system at once, one time, but instead of 20 minutes to fill the 37s, we're down to about five minutes or less with the CO2. It's such a great setup. Keep in mind that you'll still need access to an air compressor when the tank gets low, but we seem to get about six to seven air ups on one 15 gallon tank. The initial setup will cost you, but you have options to research. We do keep the VIA air compressor on board just in case you run out of CO2, but I hope we never have to. Just take the CO2 tank to a beverage dispenser vendor and get it refilled. It costs about $15 to $25 per refill, but the time savings on the trail is huge. And another side bonus is you can run air tools off this tank should you need a trail repair. So you guys, what are you guys running PSI on and what are you airing down to and what are you using for both of those? Well, for me, I, I like to go real low. Um, back in the day, I had a set of BFG uh, All Terrains 2 that I took down to 10 PSI on a regular basis, but those were uh, 33-12-15s uh, on, on an 8-inch rim. And for me, that is just a perfect combination, a 12 and a half inch wide tire on an 8-inch rim. It really grabs really good on that bead, and you can really air that down. Now, you put that same tire on a 10-inch rim, and you cannot air it down, I don't That's think, right. as much as safely because there's just not as much bite on the lip of that tire um, on, the, on the lip of the rim. So um, there, there's definitely some some tricks here as far as as you know what your tire and rim size combination is because it does make a difference as far as how you air down and what airing down is going to make the profile of that tire look like on the cross section. Uh, so that being said, I've had I've gone through a lot of tires over the years. I've had several sets of tires, everything from the BF Goodrich All Terrains to the KM ones. Um, I've uh, I ran the uh, the the Goodyear Duratrax. Um, God, what else? Uh, some, uh, some rough country, the, the, called oh, the old school rough country, uh, uh, where the, the TSX is or something like that. Um, and now I'm on, uh, some pro comp, uh, MTX twos mm -hmm. and, and I love these tires. Um, they have really performed very well in just about every kind of terrain that I've had them on, including sand and snow, as well as mud rocks. And, and of course, um, just about everything in between. Um, uh, I love taking these things down to 12 PSI. Uh, they sit really nice at that. It seems like there's still plenty of sidewall strength um, at good. that, and mm -hmm. and I don't get a lot of you know bottoming out. And I've seen a lot of guys where it's you know they're they're coming into into an obstacle a little bit hard. They're aired mm -hmm. down to you know 10, 12, maybe even 15 pounds of air, but they're carrying so much momentum, or they have so much vehicle weight, or their sidewall just isn't at that rating. It maybe it's a C rating or or a D rated you know sidewall or something like that. Um, and, and it just, it's, it's a little soft. And so a mm -hmm. rock comes up and they almost just bash that rock into the rim through the tire, not puncturing right. the tire just because there's a lot of flex in the tire and stuff. So I like to have a little bit of, you know, get a little bit of pushback on my tire, but not so much to where I'm bottoming out on the rocks and stuff like that. So I found at least for my B, uh, for my, uh, pro comp MT, uh, uh, MT2s, the 12 PSI is a nice round number. I can go lower and I do if I'm going to be wheeling in the snow or sand, um, or if I'm just going to be out tooling around on some trails and not really in the rocks that much, I might only take them down to 15. Uh, so, but 12 really seems to be a nice, nice number for, for those tires. Well, and I think too, the, the whole thing that you're talking about is everybody's different. 
and the weight of the vehicle and what you're actually wheeling out there. And I think that's what it's really hard to do a segment on this and say, here's an exact science. There isn't one. You just have to kind of figure it out. So now what, what are you using to air up? Do you have a tank or do you use a, a compressor? I've actually been looking into tank options recently because um, I actually saw a, a really good breakdown on the power tank, uh, the CO2 power tank system that that um, that is out there. And this is a, a system that that has been around for many many years and is tried and proven. And I've I've wheeled with guys who who run this. Um, and, and you're right, these CO2 tanks hold <gasps> a massive amount of air because it's that awesome. CO2 can be can be compressed more mm-hmm. than oxygen, more than just your 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 average air atmosphere. Um, and with that, you can you can drive tools and, and things like air up multiple vehicles, you know, all that sort of yes. stuff. I love that, but I can't afford that right now. So I am using a compressor um, and I, uh, I don't remember the name of it. It's not a big brand name air compressor. Um, and I've told this story before on the show a couple few times, but it, it's, it's all from a, a fellow Jeeper who I met. God, had to have been 10 years ago or more. Um, wow. and he was running. He was running this compressor. And, and I was so impressed with its performance um, mm-hmm. that I was just like, where did you get it? What is it? Where can I get one? And he told me what it was. And he didn't remember where he had gotten his because <laughs> he'd had it for so long. Right. And the thing just kept working. It was, it was an absolute tank. And so um, I, I picked up one myself and uh, I got it online and, and it's a big red ugly thing. And, and uh, it's louder than hell. Uh, <laughs> it gets really hot sometimes, uh, you know, when you're on the second or third vehicle. Uh, but it takes my 33, 12, 50, 15s from, you know, 10 pounds up to 30 pounds in about five minutes of tire. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Josh, I that's- think we have the same air compressor. We discussed this once before on the show. You're like, oh, I oh, have okay. that one too. I but think yeah. there's a chance. Yeah. And I don't well, remember it- the name of it. Myself. Well, that sucks. I mean, I thought you were going to jump in and give us the name of the compressor. Yeah. All right. I, I, <laughs> I know. 30 I seconds, I'll run out in the garage and grab it. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I think this is a good point. It's it doesn't a, really have to be a name a brand. Yeah, it has to be something that works for you and find out, you know, how long does it take to air up? And again, being a newbie, you got to start with whatever budget you got. And everybody starts at a certain level and then we sort of upgrade. And I love the power tank system, but I also like the Viair because we used it for so long and that's all we had in the beginning. So how about you, you, Tony? Air compressor. (laughs) You could. (laughs) How about you, Tony? I actually started with a, uh, I got the Via air compressor now. Uh, it, it's not, uh, it's installed, but I don't have it powered yet. Prior to that, I had a, uh, a really nice, uh, a, a nice compressor, but it, it died out on me. It was uh, called the Anna Nicole Smith. A lot of air. Got a lot of air out of that compressor. <laughs> Leave it to Tony to change the whole subject. Yeah, okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. How about so you, Tammy? My- so you you're running the same thing that Josh is that we don't have a name for. No, we're not running the same thing. Uh, I, I found out. Yeah. It, it's 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 different. Don't associate me with Tammy's stuff. Sorry. Sorry. My- well, she said Smitty built, and I'm like, no, that's definitely not Smitty mine's built. definitely not a Smitty built. Oh. Yeah, I thought I remembered us having this discussion before, but mine I got for $50 from a friend and I don't feel the need to have to spend a ton of money to get something that, you know, airs it up faster because, you know, I put it on and then I sit and chit chat with my Jeep friends while we're all airing up. And there's a a danger when you have a fast compressor because everybody else wants to use it. (laughs) That (laughs) is true. There you go. And they want, they want. They want you to air up their tires. Could you air up my tires? 
Um, I'm also running the Nexen Rodian MTX, and mm -hmm. they are the most amazing tires. And I air down to 14. You do not need to go any lower because nope. they are such great tires. And um, we usually run them at like 32 driving on the highway. And I know a lot of Jeepers out there who run their tires way too high when they're driving on the highway. That's right. Um, so uh, average is about 28 to 32, just depending on your tire. So don't listen to the door, the side of the door where it says to air up to 37 or 40. That's just way no, too you don't high. Need it. Well, yeah, it really depends on the tire. Well, yeah, my dirt tracks, I had to run at 50 PSI because 30 or 35 PSI was almost wow. like aired down. It, wow. it was seriously, it, it was, it was, and it, this is very common in, in, with those dirt tracks. You can ask any of those guys running them and any one of them will tell you that they're running 45 to 55 PSI for, for street. Oh, uh, I read uh, mine. Point. Yeah. I ran my dura tracks at um, 28 on the oh, highway. That's really low. On the highway? <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was. Yeah, and that that was suggested by a bunch of other jeepers, you know, wow. up at Rush Creek. They're like, oh, because I was running them at 37. There, so you're running them too high. That's back when you were calling so. your Jeep SpongeBob, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> uh, oh, the name so of my, my name of my air compressor is the Master Flow, otherwise known as oh, the Tsunami. Oh, it's yeah. the MF 1050. It's oh. the red one with the uh, you know the black ends, the gauge on the uh, on the head, and the yellow hose. Oh. Yeah, you guys have probably seen the have seen the picture. I don't think you can get those anymore, but you know if they could, Samuel L. Jackson would be perfect to uh, sell the MF uh, air compressor. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe well, ours really, just look alike, Josh. Yeah, gosh. Well, and as you real can quick, tell, you, we've all got different options and oh, there's so there's many, yeah, all kinds of things. I mean, again, to do this little segment and try to give some information is kind of what I wanted to do for newbies. It's uh, you know, you really have to do some research. You got to figure out how you want to deflate your tires, how you want to air them back up. You're jeeping with somebody else, then you know, see what they do, see how what equipment they have that's kind of how we all learn and so we do but uh anyway you can view some other great videos on our youtube channel jeep 41-1 um we have lots of tips tricks and techniques and the website info on the items that i mixed are in the show you know tammy or i mean wendy when you're uh, talking about you know air compressors and, and brands and stuff like that you mentioned buyer uh they've mm -hmm. been around uh in the jeep world off-road world really for a number of years really made a name for themselves and if i'm not mistaken I recently heard a news release where they were talking about companies being contracted to make ventilators during this wow. uh, epidemic that we're going through. And I am almost certain I heard Viair listed in the few companies that were being contracted to switch what they normally do to, you know, making stuff for the rest of the, uh, the world and, and for the U.S. as far as uh, you know, these uh, ventilators uh, are, needs are concerned. Um, so awesome. a big, big hats off to Viair. Uh, if it is them who I am thinking of and them who I have heard about, maybe there is another Viair company out there. I'm not sure. But uh, if this is Viair, the one who we all know and love, who has been around yeah. in the off-road industry for, for many, many years, then hats off to them. Big kudos for Viair for stepping up to the plate and, and switching their whole production line to really uh, take care of the needs of the nation right now. Are you a newbie or maybe you remember something important you learned when you first became a Jeeper and you want to share it with us? We want to hear from you. Reach out to us with a newbie nugget. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out all the ways to contact us. What? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, newbie! Newbie! Noob. Nugget. It's time for Newbie Nuggets.
Hey, this is Don Sumner. I was just listening to your guys' podcast. Hey, I just listened to your podcast. Hey, Jeep Talk Show. This is Casey. Hi, this is Ray Buchanan from Burlington, Wisconsin. Um, hello, this is Dave in Oregon. I would use the Bolt Locks on my 98 Jeep Wrangler. 2017 Wrangler Tudor. 2008 JKU. Uh, Wrangler JKU Sierra. Uh, even if I don't win, you guys still have a great show. Do you have anything to add? Maybe you have a question for Tech Talk. Just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Now for a quickie specific to the TJ Wrangler guys. Every now and again, a tip comes up that has you scratching your head wondering how it is that you've had your Jeep for this long and didn't know about this one little thing. You might call it an Easter egg. You might call it something else. But in the end, it's more of a hidden adjustment in something most of us take for granted. What I'm referring to is the adjustability of your Jeep's washer nozzles. I don't know why they didn't do this on the XJs or any of the other Jeeps uh, around the same year range, but on some of the TJ Wranglers, Jeep installed adjustable windshield washer nozzles. In the heads of the nozzle ends are actually two separate pintles that each spray out at roughly 30 degree angles. So with the nozzle on the passenger side and the one on the driver's side, you have four points of spray across roughly 120 degrees of windshield. That is if things are all properly adjusted. Oh, by now, TJs are kind of getting up there in years, and it's, well, easy It's easy to see if they uh, might have come out of adjustment. And if they have, well, it's easy to adjust back into position if they are out of adjustment. If your washer jets aren't spraying in the right spots, you can easily readjust them to spray where the washer fluid would do the most good. And all you need is a paperclip or a clothing pin. Each nozzle has a small recessed spherical metal nozzle tip that can be rotated to spray all over the place if you want. And in fact, I've heard of some people having some fun and aiming them towards the side so they can spray their friends or that douchebag in the convertible that just cut you off. <laughs> Regardless of your intentions or motivations, you can't do it with your fingers. The hole in the end of these spherical nozzle ends are just big enough to fit a small paperclip or clothing pin into, and with a little force, with your makeshift tool shoved into the end of these things, you can simply rotate them into a new position. Don't get aggressive with the penetration or the rotation, though. If it doesn't go in or rotate easily, it may be frozen, and you'll need to work it loose. Soaking the nozzle with a hot, wet, soapy rag will help dissolve road salts and other gunk that is preventing you from inserting your tool or rotating the nozzle end. Worst case scenario, you may have to get in there with a Q-tip and a little bit of CLR to help break things loose. Once things are able to move around, make your adjustments and test them out. It may take a few tries to get perfect, but once you have it, they're set, and you shouldn't have to mess with them again for quite a while. You know, this is just excellent advice for so many things, uh, even more so than uh, than uh, the special tool on your uh, on your Jeep. Everybody's stunned. We're we're waiting to see where you go with that, Tony. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, and what is and he going to say next? Is that the He's well, it kind of, he set it up that way. That's, like, that's well, as far as it happen. goes, folks. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Move along. Yep. <laughs> Are you running out of time for all that tech talk? Uh, yes, I am quite busy, Mr. Voice out of nowhere. Then how about a quickie? Oh, geez, I don't know. We just met. I'm really not that kind of... It's time for... Just the tip. Oh, well, you could have at least just bought me a drink first or something. Oh, hey, watch it. Oh, what are you doing back there anyways? Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? 
Geek Talk Show is in my weekly rotation. Look forward to it every week, each and every Friday. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. I support a great podcast. I've been a lifelong Jeeper myself. Continue to learn with each and every episode that I listen to. Just go to JeepTalkShow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. Absolutely. If you like Jeeps, anything to do with Jeeps, I like it for the, the technical, clear content, uh, advice, and learning. You a Jeeper who likes to take their top off? If so, find out where the best place to go topless is with Mitch and Jeep Weather coming up later in the show. Hey, real quick, got to send a big, fat happy birthday to Chet B. He wrote into the show earlier this week and uh, mentioned that it was his birthday and uh, that uh, his wife had cleared the schedule for them and his birthday present, the wash the Jeep. <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday, Chet. How does Tammy's Jeep life compare with yours? We're always looking for Jeep stories, so contact us and let us know what your Jeep life is like. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. If you asked what the definition of Jeep life is, you would get a very different answer from every Jeeper. Jeep life is unique to each Jeep owner, and for me, the meaning has changed over the years as I experience different aspects of the life from daily driver to weekend warrior to extreme wheeling to light wheeling from mud, sand, rocks. To modifications and upgrades, you know, I could go on and on. You get the drift. Since pretty much day one of being a Jeep owner, I have shared my Jeep life story on my blog, jeepmama.com, then adding the Jeep Talk Show podcast and YouTube. And I love the fact that I have inspired others to live the Jeep life in their own, own way by sharing my story and experiences. I just never know what little tidbit in my journey will help someone else. Sometimes it really surprises surprises me what that little tidbit is. My Jeep life has now turned into camper life slash overlanding, but I still love those rocky trails. I know a lot of our Jeep lives have been disrupted. And even with the disruption, I'm going to continue to add those tidbits as we all try to navigate this new life we are now living in. As you know, lockdowns are happening all over the U.S., which is preventing a lot of folks from getting out and living the Jeep life. While we were in Moab last week, the Moab area, another one of those lockdowns happened. A sheriff's deputy from San Juan County, just south of Moab, had to do something he told us he never in his lifetime thought he'd have to do. He had to kick us off BLM land, Bureau of Land Management. Only residents of that county were allowed to be on the land. And even though these are federal public lands, the sheriff of each county has jurisdiction of the land in these health, public health situations. Now, the order came just four days after we were there, we totally understood. We packed up our camp and headed back here to Colorado. Now, we were seeing this happening all over the West and not just near Moab. So before you decide to head out to wheel, I would check the area you're going to. And I, because I know several Jeepers are still planning on wheeling this weekend. Now, our adventure has been put on hold, but I sure have learned so much in the past two weeks about this new Jeep life I'm living. Over the next couple of episodes, I'm going to share some of those tidbits with you. The first, and I feel this has been a game changer for us, and is, it's two very important apps every Jeeper and Overlander should have. They saved us so many times out on the trails and gravel roads. Gaia GPS, G-A-I-A GPS. It's such a great app. Even those dirt roads and Moab trails are on this app and you will always know where you are out on the trail. In the middle of the desert, we followed along Mojave Road, which has so many little roads, uh, gravel roads and trails leading off of it. 
which, by the way, crosses a huge dry lake bed. Actually, it was muddy for us after the rains the night before. This road went on, or this lake bed went on for miles, and it could have been so easy for us to wander off the right path and end up miles from where you want to be. And when we were on the trail, top of the world, um, north of Moab, it was our first time on this trail. Nobody has ever been on the trail. And it was so easy using this app to make sure we stayed on the right route. By the way, the view at the end of this trail is the most amazing view on the planet. I have never, ever been in such awe. If there is just one trail you have time for when you go to Moab, this is the one you need to take. The view is so unbelievable. However, this, tr this trail can be very challenging at the end, and during the middle, it's very, very bouncy. Uh, so a side note, I set the world record for picture farthest from the edge. It's a really <laughs> scary drop. And even if you don't have a fear of heights, it's very scary. It's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So the other app essential to us was or is iOverlander. And we are all about free. Campgrounds and hotels can get very pricey when you're traveling a whole bunch. And iOverlander works great if you're camping in your Jeep or have a camper i.e. the overlanders, the van lifers, camp lifers, etc. This app is a group effort by you and the others who have it to share those, quote, secrets of the cool spots you find. It will show you the spots others have used for dispersed camping on public land, such as BLM and National Forest. Now, dispersed camping is a term used for camping anywhere in the National Forest outside of designated campgrounds. Dispersed camping means there's no services such as trash removal, there's no facilities such as tables and fire pits or um, toilets or showers. Now, some popular dispersed camping areas may have porta-potties. And generally, there's no overnight camping allowed on trailheads, picnic areas, day-use parking areas, or other areas that don't allow overnight parking. When using a dispersed camping area, the general rule is to be a minimum of at least 100 to 200 feet away from the road, trail, or water source. Now, you need to be aware if you're a national forest or a national park or BLM lands, because these are all totally different places with different rules. Typically, you can't disperse camp in national parks. These parks have specific campgrounds, and they usually have fees. You can disperse camp on BLM lands, which are lands west of the Mississippi River in the states Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Idaho, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, Oregon, Utah, Washington, and Wyoming. Now, these lands are different from the national forests and the national parks. The iOverland app also shares local fee-based campgrounds, boondocking spots, and places to get water. Now, boondocking is camping without any hookups outside of developed campgrounds. Federal agencies refer to boondocking as dispersed camping, but it can also mean dry camping and off-the-grid camping. Typically, boondocking is at the trucker gas stations, Walmart parking lots, Cracker Barrel parking lots, etc. On our way to Kingman, Arizona, it was getting late and there was no place for us to spend the night. So we just pulled over in a gas station, popped up our camper and went to sleep. When we were in the Mojave Desert, which is, um, gosh, I think it's a, it's a national 
I can't remember. It's the National Desert, I believe. Anyway, off the main roads are what I call little offshoots. They're little two-track roads where you can go set up your camp site. You can also tell these are offshoots because they look well-traveled and some spots have already have firing set up, like where someone's already dug the hole and put the rocks around. Just don't go making your own offshoot. After a while, you're going to get the hang of it and it'll just become natural. Now, Mojave Road is a great way to learn all of this. So next week, I'm going to share one of the best-kept off-roading secrets. Next week, I'm going to share one of the best-kept off-roading locations in the United States for some amazing technical wheeling. And later on in future episodes, some must-have in your recovery kit you would have never thought of. I can't wait for that. That's going to be good. Are you living the Jeep life? From mall crawlers to weekend warriors, from daily drivers to weekend wheelers, it's all about the Jeep life, and it's all good. It's time for Jeep Life with Jeep Mama. Coming up in Tech Talk, a quick tip for the TJ owners out there, and uh, we bet you didn't see this one coming. I see what you did there. (laughs) You know, we're always asking you to go check out the 4x4 Radio Network, and it's for good reason, too. There's a ton of great shows there to check out besides ours. Be sure to tell your friends about it, too. We've got something for everybody at the 4x4 Radio Network website. On the Trail Podcast is there. Trail Chasers is there. The Center Steer Podcast and the 4x4 Podcast round out our team of off-road podcasters. Lots of great off-road shows. We're there, too. It's all for free, and it's all at 4x4radionetwork.com. We'll see you there. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Hey, it's Travis. Deep night pulling for help. Having fun tonight, guys. Probably drinking more than I should. Just checking in on you because it's late. That said, April 1st is tomorrow. Actually, it's today. April Fool's? I don't know what's going on. Oh, my gosh. But I might. (laughs) Hey, guys, we're backwards today, and I'm going to do a little Zoom thing based off what y'all do just for helping people getting out, being social, Doing things because they can't commute. They can't talk. They can't get out. They can't do anything. Is the show still going backwards? (laughs) I tend to be a podcast listener. I tend to listen to the app. I listen to everything because I'm a fan. That said, it's supposed to be backwards. I just had to re-listen to last week's episode going, did I miss it? Was it backwards then? It wasn't. (laughs) Long story short, <laughs> guys, I'm proud of you. You're doing good. If you can join my podcast before yours goes to air and you start recording, join in. You've seen my post. I put it on your link. You got me. Guys, be good. I'll join in the campfire side chat. If it's early, going to kind of confuse me because it's usually <laughs> really late for me. But maybe I'll join in the middle of the afternoon. Who knows? We'll see. Giddy up, have fun, four wheel when you can, stay at home if you can't. <laughs> How many times, Josh, did we uh, tell people, you know, if you're drunk, call in. We'd love to hear from you. <laughs> right. 
I said three sheets to the wind. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dial those numbers. <laughs> we take them all. It doesn't matter. Oh, Just show up. Love yeah. me some Travis. Love yeah. me some Travis. Good times. Yeah, uh, no offense, uh, Tammy and Wendy, but we were thinking drunk female callers, I believe, weren't we, Josh? <laughs> I, I, I was not holding uh, to to any one. Uh, oh, one just or the me then. You have to be just leave me hanging Open out there. That's great. <laughs> You're all by yourself, Tony. There we go. I'm used to it. <laughs> if you've got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, be sure to let us know what you have to say by phone or by email. Just head over to JeepTalkShow.com/slash/contact and find out how to reach out. Are green jeeps going too far? Jeep intends to become, quote, the greenest, most sustainable SUV company, unquote, <sighs> according to the brand's global president. I know. Christian Munier, in a press release earlier this week, is what he said. Now, uh, but here we are. Uh, as, as we record this episode, the automaker doesn't have a single plug-in vehicle here in the U.S. Jeep is betting on the long game, however, and the higher-ups believe that the U.S. will move to electrification of Jeeps faster than the experts have predicted, even with Jeep more or less arriving a little bit late to the game. Going electric is also giving Jeep an opportunity to improve at the capabilities of their trucks and SUVs, making it even more exciting to drive both on and off the road, or so they have claimed. Most of us know now by the sheer power and torque capabilities of an electric drivetrain. One look at the videos on YouTube of the Tesla's launch mode capabilities will settle any doubt in this regard. But Jeeps aren't Teslas, and I for one hope they stick to their off-road first heritage in the years ahead. We've also known for many months now that plug-in hybrid versions of the Renegade, Compass, and Wrangler are all due this year, and it looks like the Renegade 4XE is going to be the first to arrive in the European showrooms in the coming months. While FCA, or Fiat Chrysler Automobiles, hasn't confirmed whether the plug-in hybrid electric vehicles, or PHEVs, Renegade and Compass, are headed to the U.S. or not, it has heavily teased the electrified Wrangler coming here to the States. We have, of course, reported on that here a few times over the last year or so here on the show. What's interesting, though, is that we've heard rumors and leaks from inside the FCA camp, which are now telling the public that these electrified Wranglers will be built using the exact same components as the Pacifica hybrid minivan. I'm just going to let that <laughs> pause and sink in for a little bit there. Were you paying attention? Did you hear all that, you electric Wrangler fans? Yeah, I for one will not be getting excited over minivan parts comprising the majority of my off-road vehicle's drivetrain. If you're listening, Jeep, this is a blatant cop-out, and you should be ashamed of yourself for taking the easy way out. That is not very Jeep-like, and you know it. I personally think it would be better for the brand to put off electrification for a year or even two to have the design teams work on a more robust off-road-ready electric drivetrain option for the Wrangler specifically. I mean, seriously, minivan drivetrain components on a Jeep? Well, if there ever was a mall crawler rated Jeep badge to slap on the side of a vehicle off the showroom floor, I think the electric Wrangler is the one. What's confusing is that all these rumors of minivan components for the electric Wrangler are focused exclusively to the U.S. market, with zero hints that this manufacturing faux pas will be carried over to other markets. What is interesting, though, is that even if these hybrid or electric Wranglers are made with minivan parts, there are rumors floating around that these systems will be tweaked a little bit to give the vehicles some serious performance chops when it comes to acceleration, even if they are more likely to break down with the rigors of off-road abuse. If you've ever ridden in a Jeep, you know that, well, most of them have a 0-60 to 60 time measured in minutes, not seconds. The rumors <laughs> going around are saying that these new electric or hybrid Wranglers will be capable of 0-60 to 60 times in the sub-6 seconds range. That's some serious chops when it comes to the street cred. 
Now, certainly compared to the typical acceleration of a Wrangler, anyways, Jeep had previously declared that the uh, that there would be four electric vehicles in Jeep's global portfolio by 22 by 2022, rather. But it hasn't solidified any of those yet. So again, I guess a lot of this is up in the air at this point. But I'm sure we'll get some more electrified Jeep news in the coming weeks. So, how many high-speed police uh, chases have you seen with a uh, Dodge Hellcat-powered vehicle? I know I've seen oh, at least was, one. There was there was that one. I yeah. saw that one with the uh, the white uh, Hellcat. I think it was. Oh, man. And a, uh, uh, yeah, he they just a, they just let him go. What a screamer! <laughs> now think about how many high-speed police uh, pursuits you've seen with Teslas or a Prius. <laughs> well, no, the, the Tesla has a, a very impressive uh, zero to 60 quarter, even quarter mile. But the problem with that is, is that you run out of power very quickly. It's not yeah, going to be good for a high speed pursuit, maybe a low speed pursuit, you know, if you've got it in, uh, in cost saving mode. <laughs> but and that's the problem. That's the whole well, problem. You put it, with you this. Put it, it's got the OJ mode. Right. Yeah. Well, and here's my question. So let's say you're on a trail like, um, I don't know, the Rubicon that takes what several days. How do you recharge? You are we going to carry battery packs no, instead no. of gas things? There, I mean, there is, you know. there is no taking one of these off road. Uh, I just uh, can't solar, even imagine. Solar panels. I, I absolutely panels. love electric motors, the torque, all that stuff, but we don't have a power supply to drive it no. yet. We we don't have the capacity, plain and simply. That's why these are going to be grocery getter jeeps. These are yes. going to be the pavement pounders. These are going to be, you know, not the vehicles that you see off-road. You might see one out on the beach because the beach is generally relatively close to the road and you can still be towed home from the road at least. <laughs> yes. You know, so yeah, I, I really don't see there being any off-road prowess at all. Not now. Good. At least not, at least not for the first two or three years minimum. And I'm with you. Good. Because it's got really no place for this kind of technology this early in the game if you haven't been able to it's set a, up an electric Jeep to run the Rubicon. It is a feel-good gimmick is all it amounts to. Yeah. All, you're, you're right. You're right. This is all about appealing to the green crowd, you know, and, mm -hmm. and this is Jeep's new green deal. So, fine. Whatever. If you got to do it, you got to do it. But I'm not going to take it seriously until I see an electric Wrangler being able to run the Rubicon front to back without having to be charged. There you go. You do you do that. Now you've got a Jeep that is worthy. You've got an electric vehicle that is worthy of a Jeep badge. And when I have to sign a top secret document that I will not reveal how the internal uh, power supply works in the vehicle, <laughs> ye, uh, sing sing threats of violence, everything. Uh, then you know. Then we're talking. That's when we're talking about some uh, some serious mileage getting out of that and some serious torque. Now, I, I, and I, and I mention these things because I want to point out. You mentioned the minivan components. If, 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 if this is just a feel-good gimmick and it's, we don't have the power supply to, to really be able to make these things true off-road vehicles or even long-duration on-road vehicles, why do you want to do a lot of uh, song and dance and design and stuff for now? We'll just pull the crap out of the minivan. Nobody's going to buy this crap anyway. Uh, we'll throw it into the Wrangler and now everybody's happy. Well, <laughs> everybody's everybody's moderate. <laughs> I, think, I, think some yeah. of, I think some of this might just be to get out in front of what they have coming. Now, you know that FCA uh, recently made a big acquisition, a merger, if you will, with PSA Auto Group, uh, the French auto group, French automaker oh, um, uh, group of automakers who 
really has uh, their their play stake in, in electrified game. They are way ahead of things when it comes to electrification in a lot of areas, including manufacturing. The, the PSA Auto Group has the ability to do large-scale, big electrification manufacturing. FCA does not at this point. So this was a good move for them, but they've got to get all their ducks in a row, and they're not quite ready to bring it to the masses yet. And so what that means is they've got to pull something off the shelf to prove that they're green and going right. that way before the real deal comes out. That's why I'm saying it's probably going to take two or three years before we see FCA and Jeep really come to play in the electrification game. I, I, I haven't looked into PSA, but uh, I, I get the feeling that they're not much further along than everybody else. I have seen some information about uh, Tesla's new batteries that they're working on, and I'm seeing some very impressive numbers as far as miles, uh, like 700 miles on a charge. You know, what's interesting is that FCA has actually been been buying carbon credits from uh, oh, from uh, oh Tesla God. because they, they are just a little bit behind the game in electrification. So with their virtually entire vehicle lineup right now still being comprised of, you know, uh, fossil fuel engines, um, they have to offset that a little bit because the governments are, are playing hardball. And the EPA isn't going to, you know, allow uh, any vehicle that doesn't have, you know, 40 miles per gallon. And, you, you know, it's, it's, it's got a plug-in, too. Um, so it's, you know, all this other stuff that the Jeep is having to now pay for, ultimately, uh, through these, these carbon credits that are actually buying off of Tesla. I look forward to the day that we all have metal 3D printers and we just uh, buy the plans from Jeep and print our stuff at home. That way we don't have to worry about EPA or anything because it's, you know, it's a, uh, not a test vehicle. What do you call it? Uh, well, no, uh, it's, a, it's a class. Aircraft? Experimental. Yes. Ah, okay. We, we would all be driving experimental Jeeps. I love the sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> X designation. I don't know. <laughs> well, I know this is going to piss some people off. I, I, I just know it. Fiat Chrysler Automobile Automotive is beginning to reveal its playbook for advertising during the coronavirus crisis and addressing a U.S. market where many consumers have been rattled by both gross negligence and overreaction by locals and those in charge. And it's made the average consumer fearful and hard-earned cash on virtually anything now from toilet paper to Jeeps because of the uncertainty we have allowed this pandemic to create. So far, with its focus on the bread and butter uh, brands, Ram and Jeep brands, the company has provided us with a breath of fresh air in a myriad of fear-mongering ad campaigns about this virus. <laughs> Seriously, though, taking a more practical sense approach, Jeep's advertising teams combined empathy, inspiration, and social responsibility messages with selective promotional messages. It's clean, the images look nice, and it instills more of a feeling of hope and inspiration instead of the fear over sensationalization and doubt that we're being subjected to constantly now from virtually every angle. I, for one, applaud Jeep for their ingenuity with this. It's a nice change of pace, and I wish there was more of it in the media right now. So let me paint the picture for all of you. For example, Jeep has been posting a few things on social media under, the, under a hashtag stay off the road theme that is playing on the hashtag stay home meme that is becoming the battle cry for virtually every municipality in the nation. And I honestly couldn't agree more. Stay off the road by playing more in the dirt. Doesn't that paint a much nicer mental image than the latest splash art for the current spread projections of the virus in some place like Chujekistan or something? <laughs> I don't know. Not enough for you? Here's another one. A new post on Twitter, for instance, depicts a view from under the hood of a Jeep, looking out through the front of its iconic grille as if you yourself were the very engine of the Jeep. 
providing you a view of not of a beautiful rock formation or a sunset or a never-ending trail, but the back of a garage door. Why? <laughs> because the Jeep isn't going anywhere these days. And that's almost sad, too. Because it's not the Jeep's fault its owner has been brainwashed to think that every single atom of oxygen in the environment is somehow laced with weaponized COVID-19. It's pathetic, really, but the ad does instill a bit of hope. With some text at the bottom saying, with a little patience, the views will get better. I'd like to think that with a little common sense, the views can get better. And that the person seeing it will remember their high school biology and realize that their Jeep is safe. And so are they, as they get in it and head out into the wild yonder to explore uncharted trails and scenic vistas. It's an example of Jeep inspiring people to use some common sense for a change, and it's a far cry from the onslaught of orders we see virtually everywhere demanding us to stay inside. Because if we get an itch to go out into Mother Nature for some trail time, oh, we're somehow killing somebody's grandma in the next county over. This, these are absolute wake-up calls, people, from the brand that is the champion of the off-road. The general idea seems to be a, more about conveying a little more optimism and speaking to the conviction of the American people, instead of telling us if we step outside we're no better than a serial killer and a menace to society. We, as responsible Jeepers with two brain cells to rub together, know that pulling our Jeep out of the garage or out of the driveway and hitting the trails is not the same thing as licking the ice cream containers at the grocery store or having an uncontrollable sneezing fit in a convalescent home. It's time we take our trails back and exercise what it means to be a Jeeper. I'm not telling you to disregard orders or act like there isn't a care in the world, but if you use some common sense... We can get others to do the same thing. We can face this with a more logical and, and with more logic and reason instead of with fear and emotion, and get back to at least somewhat of what we can consider normal life. Amen. Here, here. I think the uh, the basic premise is uh, from the government: people are stupid, and this is going to get a lot worse unless we just tell them no. Uh, you can't do that. I agree with you. There, there's. I do not see. Uh, the spreading of viruses uh, going off-road. Uh, if, if you're with a loved one that you're uh, being uh, quarantined with in the Jeep, uh, well, that's no different than being quarantine, quarantined in your home, except now you're out in the Jeep. Um, I, I don't get it. I mean, now, you, you stop no, to get uh, gas. I mean, maybe I, you could rub the handle and get it, I, but, you know, take some precautions. The two brain cell hearing, thing. What, what I hear, hear happened to Tammy pissed me off. I mean, you've got a, I mean, honestly, Tammy, was there anybody within a quarter mile of you? We were all probably a half a football field to a football field apart. We came back to Colorado and we are in this cramped campground. <laughs> look, look, look at that. Honestly, um, you're out in Moab, Utah, under the that. stars, you've got 50 to 100 yards between you and the next person. Really? And, and, and that is, is epidemic level situation where you've got to, no, you guys got to go. You got to get out of here. No, well, that's utter BS because you're, you're out in mother nature. There is absolutely no way right. that 50 yards away, a half a football field away, you're somehow going to, you know, infect that person. No, not unless well, you're freaking, you know, lobbing, you know, right. loogie filled water balloons with a launcher <laughs> over there or something like that. Ooh, I just don't see it happening. Fun. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the things they said is they're fearful that we would clog up their hospital if we got sick. Now I don't share my poop shovel with anyone, so I'm not gonna get. You know, it's not like going into a public restroom. You know, we were just primitive camping, so you know, you're not touching a a 
faucet handle. You're not touching a doorknob. You're not touching. We were there by ourselves and we were wheeling on the trails by ourselves. Um, yes, we did yeah, go to gas. Well, and you should and, have been left to yeah. yourselves. Honestly, that, that sheriff was was overreacting. I'm sure that he was just following orders, but you guys weren't hurting anybody. Yeah, you weren't causing any damage, and you weren't putting anybody in risk. It's, it's the governor. It's these these people, that uh, the elected officials, that have to be seen as doing something proactive mm-hmm. exactly. before the next election. I, I don't want to be elected out of well, office and, next year. And, and also, too, these are I uncharted waters. I mean, people are are nervous and they're scared and they're looking they're to the leaders to actually so by all to do means, something. Make decisions for your constituency based on emotional reaction. Yes, that's just the best thing well, to do. I mean, when, when the constituency is being emotional, what are you going to do? I mean, you either do that or you go out there and, and slap them with, uh, with the back of a butt of a rifle and tell them to knock it off, which has its appeal, I, I'll agree. But, <laughs> but I'm it, just saying, funny be- you, have to, you have to look at both sides of it. And I certainly understand right. why they have to have these kind of reactions. I don't agree with it, but you know, playing devil's advocate, I but can understand it. They're the, they're the officials, though. They need to be calming people's fears by sharing information that is not being shared by the media. I just ran across a story from March 6th from a doctor at the Mayo Clinic, the Rochester Mayo Clinic, that young people and children, if they get this, they're going to have mild um, symptoms. You know, and everybody out there thinks... You know, everybody's going to have these horrible, horrible symptoms. Oh, and it's and a death sentence if you catch it. And it, no, no, not, not really, not really. There, th- there's a really so, good uh, picture going around the internet right now. I don't think you guys have seen it. It's basically two photos stacked on top of each other. The top one says, "This is allowed," and it's the Walmart park parking lot where you can get into Walmart, right. no problem, no restriction. The bottom one is of like our our desert out here, and it says, "But this is not yeah. allowed." So you've got right. nobody for anywhere on the bottom. There's not a soul in the picture, but at the top is packed Walmart. But that's okay. You know, keep your social yeah, distancing. This, right. this yeah, is what I'm talking about. It's complete and utter lack of common sense. Yep. And and it's got to stop. There's got to be a line in the sand drawn. And, and I think it's up to us Jeepers to draw that line and to take a stand. Well, problem is, Josh, you can't get to the sand to draw that line. It's uh, closed. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. Hi, I'm Tony, and after my last software update, I've been promised I will remain virus-free. Howdy, it's Wendy. And is it possible for the snow flurries to practice social distancing like to another state? (laughs) I'm over the snow. Ugh. I'm Josh, and at least one of the voices in my head knows what these buttons do. Hi, I'm Tammy, the yellow-bellied chicken who left her Jeep on the trail and walked. (laughs) And you're going to have to stay tuned to the after the show to hear why. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps. This show's for you. Josh, Tammy, Wendy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about... Jeeps. Jeeps. You guys are going to leave me hanging one of these days. Just get up and leave. (laughs) I'm not not saying it. I'm not going to do it. I was was turning around backwards to say it. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. 
I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Three, two, one. April Fools! April Fools! <laughs> Thanks for playing along.